Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days, prepare ye the way of the Lord. is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music transcribed with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and HMS Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker. Joy when the work is done, joy when the reapers gather home, bringing the sheaves that set of sun to the new Jerusalem. Joy, 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 there'll be joy by and by. Joy, 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 where joys never die. Joy, joy, joy for the day draweth nigh when the workers gather home. Pure are the joys that await us there, many the golden mansions fair. Jesus himself doth them prepare in the new Jerusalem. Joy, 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 there'll be joy by and by. Joy, 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 where joys never die. Joy, 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 for the day draweth nigh when the workers gather Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy peace which comes to every believing heart, and we pray for the peace of the world, that the day may come when the peace of God shall spread over this earth as the waters cover the sea. This we ask in Jesus' name. There is a place of quiet rest near to sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who bow before thee. Near to the heart 
of God. Throughout the many years the King's Heralds have been using this next song, many of you have consistently voted it a top favorite. I need the prayers of those I love. I need the prayers of those I love While traveling o'er life's rugged way every day I want my friends to pray for me to bear my tempted soul above and intercede with God for me Bob Edwards and Wayne Hooper now come to the microphone to tell us their conviction that the best friend to have is Jesus. Oh, the best friend to have is Jesus When the cares of life upon you roll 
will heal the wounded heart. He will strength and grace impart. Oh, the best friend to have is Jesus. The best friend to have is Jesus. The best friend to have is Jesus. found in Jesus, peace and comfort to my soul he brings. Leaning on his mighty arm, I will fear no ill nor harm. Oh, the best friend to have is Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker. His subject, When God Unites the Nations. Those who visit Geneva, Switzerland, and see the palatial buildings of the former League of Nations, which at one time was the hope of the peace-loving peoples of the world, now the League of Nations has vanished into the mists of memory. Today we have the United Nations, another great hope of mankind for world peace. The only trouble with this organization seems to be that the nations are not actually united. Will the nations ever be united? According to Bible prophecy, they will, but only by God and in His own time and way. The brief story of a fourfold attempt at world union by world tyranny, the disruption of this attempt for the sake of world freedom, and the final accomplishment of world union by God Himself. He is revealed in his highlights in the great prophecy of the second chapter of the book of Daniel in the Holy Bible. And it all started in a dream. It was about six centuries before Christ when one man had achieved a practical dictatorship over most of the civilized world at that time. He had trampled on all opposition and carried into captivity even Israel, the specially appointed people of God. Then one night he fell asleep and dreamed a startling and significant dream, so much so that his spirit was troubled, his sleep break from him. That's in the second chapter, first verse and onward. Now while the dream was greatly troubled him, strangely enough, he couldn't recall it. His wise men were unable to bring the dream to his memory, much less give its meaning. For this reason, the king issued a decree that they 
would be destroyed as deceivers. There were among the learned men of Babylon several young men who had been brought as captives from Jerusalem, servants of the true God, and who at that very time were in the court school preparing to take their place in public service. One of these was Daniel. He sought royal consent to speak with the king. He asked for this time so that he and his companions could seek God for the knowledge which only he could give. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in the night visions. The king's dream had not been caused by a bad digestion or tension or worry. It was a divine vision of future events. No wonder the Chaldean necromancers and soothsayers couldn't reveal it. As Daniel, God's prophet, stands before the world dictator, we hear his words echoing down the ages. There is a God in heaven that maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. While history may often seem like a tangled confusion of unmeaning events, still when we see it in the right perspective, we will realize the truth of the words here in Daniel 4:17, that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. Here God rolls back the curtain of the future, and his prophet Daniel says to the world monarch, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image stood before thee. This image's head was of fine gold, breast and arms of silver, belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron, feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest, or you kept looking, till the stone was cut out without hands, that is, without any human effort, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then the iron, the clay, brass, silver, gold, all was broken together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them away. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. The king recognized this instantly as his dream. And then, thou, O king, art a king of kings. God has given you this authority. Thou art this head of gold. Pleasing words to the dictator, but wait. After thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. This was not pleasing. In fact, we read in the next chapter that the king determined that Babylon should endure forever, made as a symbol of his kingdom an image all of gold, head, shoulders, body, legs, feet, all of it. So he didn't agree with God's interpretation of the future. Some time ago there was discovered an inscription carved in the walls of Nebuchadnezzar's palace, which reads as follows. For the astonishment of men, I have built this house. These portals for the astonishment of multitudes of people with beauty, I adorned. May it last forever. Those are the words of Nebuchadnezzar himself has discovered not long ago. He was a great builder. Those of us who have walked through the ruins of Babylon, his mighty capital, were impressed with the fact that on thousands, just millions of bricks scattered everywhere are imprinted the name and titles of the great king himself. But Babylon, the head of gold, was to pass away and give place to a second kingdom. The prophet Isaiah declared, And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Isaiah thirteen nineteen. So it is today. Utter ruin. In the year 538 B.C., about 65 years after Daniel's prophecy, Cyrus, king of Persia, captured Babylon and left a record of it on a clay tablet. But time went on, and there arose another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. 
Medo-Persia went down before the brazen-clad soldiers of Greece under Alexander the Great. Then in the Battle of Arbela in 331 B.C., there it was that Persia collapsed. Alexander was only 25 years old then. He died in a drunken debauch just a few years later. It wasn't long before Greece itself went down and Rome seized the scepter, the Iron Kingdom. At the great battle of Pydna in 168 before Christ, the Greek phalanxes went down before the Roman legions. Hippolytus, one of the church fathers who lived about A.D. 230, wrote, Rejoice, blessed Daniel, thou hast not been in error. Already the iron rules. He recognized it, and so did other Christians at that time. But God's telescope of prophecy pierces farther into the future. The great iron monarchy is to be broken into separate parts, just like the toes of the image, some strong, some weak. So the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken, we read in Daniel 2.42. And Rome was divided. Over the Alpine passes, in the north came the barbarian tribes with rage in their hearts. Between about 351 and 476 A.D., the mighty empire of the Caesars was divided among the Germans, the French, the Swiss, the Portuguese, the Anglo-Saxons, the Spanish, the Italians, and others. These were the beginnings of the nations of modern Europe. Daniel next chose the mighty dictator Nebuchadnezzar, the efforts of men to reunite these fragments of Europe. In verse 43, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, he says. Even royal intermarriages between the reigning families has failed to unite Europe. Political and diplomatic and economic efforts have failed. Six great characters have walked upon the stage of history and endeavored to demonstrate that the fragments of Rome could be ruled from one throne or under one organizational plan. First, Charlemagne, known as Charles the Great. He began to rule at about 29 years of age. He was crowned emperor of the so-called Holy Roman Empire, which, by the way, was neither holy nor Roman nor an empire. In his effort to unite these ununitable fragments, he had two things in his favor the power of the church, which desired the unity of Europe, and the menace of the Muslim invasion beyond the Pyrenees. But after nearly half a century of fighting all over Europe, Charlemagne died unable to unite the iron and clay fragments. Next, Emperor Charles V of the same Holy Roman Empire tried it. Then Louis XIV of France failed. Then we see the man of destiny, the little corporal, Napoleon Bonaparte. He trampled on all opposition from the Atlantic to Moscow, from the North Sea to the Mediterranean. He set out to unite the broken fragments, to give Europe one ruler, one code, one court of appeal, one coinage. He said so. He divorced his wife, Josephine, to marry Marie-Louise of Austria to gain political power to bring his dream to pass. We know what happened on June 18, 1815. The guns of Waterloo stopped his dream. As Victor Hugo said, God Almighty was bored with him. In the present century, we've had such men as Kaiser Wilhelm II of Germany and Adolf Hitler. They have almost wrecked a northern Europe in an effort to unite Europe. They thought for its good. Following World War I came the League of Nations, but failed to cleave together. Now the United Nations... We have the word of God, they shall not cleave one to another, these particular nations of Western Europe. Not in one great empire again, not till Jesus comes. 
And in the days of these kings, we read in the 44th verse of Daniel 2, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all those kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. This is the stone cut out without human hands, which smites the image upon its feet. It grows to be a mighty mountain, fills the whole world, the kingdom of God eternal. Notice, friends, the six vital truths pronounced in this basic prophecy of Holy Scripture. First, there is a God in heaven. Second, he has servants on earth. Third, his hand is in earthly affairs. Four, he predicted the history of world rule from Babylon to the ten divisions of Europe and the final union of the world under God in his kingdom eternal. Five, man's efforts to unite the nations is doomed to failure. Six, God's kingdom is to be set up after the final breakdown of man's plans. The dream is certain, said the prophet, and the interpretation thereof, sure. Daniel 2, verse 45. Friends, we are living today in the feet and toes of human history. And the question of greatest importance to us is, how can we find entrance into this coming kingdom, this eternal kingdom? The apostle answers by asking a question, really, though it's the negative when he says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Now, we are all naturally unrighteous, naturally sinners, as we read in Romans 3.23. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's only by the new birth, regeneration, that we can enter God's kingdom. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, we read in Acts 16.31. The kingdom of God must come into us before we can go into it. For there are two phases of God's kingdom, his spiritual kingdom of grace here and now, and the literal kingdom of glory soon to come. The kingdom of grace is within us, Luke 17:21. That kingdom brings righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, Romans 14:17. It is present here and now. The kingdom of glory is yet to come, for Christ will sit upon the throne of his glory in that day, as we read in Matthew 25:31. Then at last the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. They shall reign forever and ever. Revelation 11:15. But how may we be born again? By faith in God. Believe, repent, confess, obey. That's what all must do in order to inherit the kingdom. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Words in Acts 2.38. Let us not delay. Brother James Lawson say, I will follow thee, my Savior, wheresoever my lot may be. Where thou goest, I will follow. Yes, my Lord, I'll follow thee. Savior, where so my lot may. 
Trust that our weekly visits will strengthen your faith, enlarge your spiritual vision, and give you the courage you need to keep looking up, always going forward in faith. Have faith in God in all your contemplations. Have faith in God sustaining in temptations. Have faith in God till He unites the nations. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We hope this transcribed program of ours has served to bring blessing and help today. We invite you to join us again next week for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. And so to each and every one we say, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.